Hello and welcome into episode 22 of Sports Are Funny with George Arjour. Today we have Isabel Hagen on really unique interview. She's a viola player. She was featured on NPR's Tiny Desk and a stand-up comedian. It's not every day you get a viola slash stand-up comedian. It was a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy uh, listening to her and my conversation about comedy, about uh, viola, lots of fun. So check that out. Um, as always, this episode is brought to you by sonsports.com. That's S-O-N-T sports.com. Uh, everyone asks, what does S-O-N-T stand for? And I tell them it means it's sports on tap. And this is sports radio redefined. But first, a word from our sponsor. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome into Sports Are Funny with George Arjour. Today we have Isabel Hagen. Is that pronounced correctly? It is, yes. A lot of people say Hagen, but I say Hagen, so who knows? Yeah, it's like tomato, tomato, potato, potato, Hagen, Hagen. All the same, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably supposed to be Hagen, honestly, but, you know, my family pick up a long line of Midwesterners and uh, <laughs> they say Hagen. They say so. Hagen, yeah. It sounds like it's almost German. It probably is Hagen down or, or Swedish or something. Right, right. Point. <laughs> That's all right. Your ancestors don't care. I don't, I hope not. At least they're not like no, I don't they're think so. not up in heaven looking down like I can't believe they keep mispronouncing this last name. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they're probably not up in heaven. Period. But, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah. yeah. No, that, that's great. So a little bit of background on you, uh, for those who don't know you, uh, just tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, what do you do, your comedy, violin, all that. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm a, a stand-up comedian, but I first started out, actually, as a, so this is a common error that people make, that play the viola. It's very similar to the violin. Uh, it's just like a little bigger, and it looks exactly the same, so everyone always thinks I play violin, and I usually don't even correct people, because <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be, like, pretentious, like, well, actually, it's this other instrument you don't care about, so, but I play, yeah, I play the viola, and that was my, my first art form, I started that when I was five, and I thought I wanted to be a musician, and I went to school for it, I went to Juilliard, I got two degrees playing the viola, but wow. while I was at school, I was like falling in love with stand-up comedy watching a ton of it and had this sort of feeling in my head that like oh that's that's something i would do in another life and so and you made it this more, life i made it this life well i i actually i dealt with some some wrist and shoulder injuries that was they were keeping me from playing for a couple months while i was at school and so i did my first open mic when i was doing my master's degree and was taking a couple months off of playing and I thought well why not use this time to go do a mic and see and so I, I did one and it was really fun you know it wasn't didn't go great or anything but was I this in was, was this in New York to, it was in New York yep. it was a Broadway comedy club and I think there were about five other comedians in the audience and that was the whole audience and it was it was fun and I knew that it was something I wanted to revisit when I graduated 
then I did. And then it started becoming all I did. <laughs> well, I still play, still play the viola. But. Yeah, well, you still, you, uh, you don't combine the comedy and viola at the same time, do you? Uh, well, I actually didn't for about four years because I, I did comedy. I kept it separate for four years yep. stand-up. And then on my birthday this summer, I decided I was going to do a show where I combined it finally. Oh, really? And I did, and it was really, yeah, and it was really fun, and I think it was just, I needed time to figure out a way to to combine them without it being just hacky or, like, for the sake of combining it. Like, I needed to wait till I was actually inspired in some way to do it in a way that I felt, you know, I could stand behind. Yep. So I did that, and it was really fun. I still mostly keep them separate, but it's something I want to explore more for sure, especially as I do, like, longer sets. Yeah, I mean, I've never really heard of a viola comic. So I mean, you could be, you could be, you probably, you could become the greatest viola comic of all time. I mean, doesn't that sound great? I might already be the greatest viola comic of all time. <laughs> you could just start wearing the shirt, just goat all the time. <laughs> like I'm the best ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah best viola comedian. Not that hard. Uh, this, uh, yeah, it's not. But I mean, how did like I guess comedies and music are so i mean i guess they're kind of the same because there are both performances but one is you're not singing on the viola that's it's you're playing music and this other one is so verbal i how like what made you make that transition and make it so smoothly yeah i i don't know exactly what drew me into stand-up i think i just I found it so fascinating. To me, it always seemed like magic, how someone could just be on stage talking, and then I'm laughing, and then they, like, bring it back at the end with, like, a joke they mentioned before, and it, it just seemed so cool. And I just, I thought it was so great that I had to just try it. And I, I have, I also have some experience singing. I don't know if that's, like, so I was comfortable, like, using my voice. And yep. growing up, I would do, like, impressions just that would make my parents laugh I never took it seriously but I would just do it in the house so I think it was just something that was so I was so viscerally drawn to it that I had to try it and I don't know how much more I can (laughs) yeah yeah, no no absolutely yeah I mean it it, your first one was it scary or what did you just go on stage and just had like a set all prepared like how like, what is that, like, first one like? Was it just terrifying? Yeah, I was, you know, I was so nervous before I did it. I was, like, talking to myself, like, I don't want to do this, I don't, but then I was like, you have to do it. You know, I was, like, mm-hmm. going through this whole, like, pump-up thing, and I was I was so, so stressed, and I planned out my jokes. And then once I actually got on stage, it kind of went away. Like, once I was just there doing it. But beforehand, yeah, I was, like, sick, I wanted to throw up, I was so so scared yeah and you know performance anxiety is something i deal with with music too and still you know i still get like a shaky hand when i play sometimes and it's something i've struggled with a lot but i think with comedy you know if my hand is shaking it doesn't matter as much i can still like speak yeah and you can actually use your hand like if it's shaking as like oh point here do this like it's very you know you can use hand gestures and no one will maybe even notice yeah, I can kind of lean into the nerves more easily with comedy, which I think maybe is a reason why I find it more fun and freeing, whereas with music, it's there's so much physical nuance with playing the viola that any extra nerves doesn't really help me in my performance. I have to be like completely zen and chilled out to, to 
be able to play effectively. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, if you make a mistake in music, it, you, everyone hears it, right? I mean, it's, it, it can ruin a song. It, it's a beat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really ruin it a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in conversations, like, we all ruin talking. I, everyone, No one has right. ever, like, gone on a conversation and had, like, a perfect conversation. I never left a conversation and was like, you know what? That person was just perfect. No, no grammar mistakes. No awkward laughs. Right. No, yeah, it, it's fine. That's like you fuck up in in talking. Everyone does. And in fact, the fuck ups in talking make it make it listenable. Like you wouldn't want to listen to someone who just speaks completely flawlessly with no grammatical errors and, and no monotone and, and no laughing. Yeah, right. Not that I mean, music. You also want there to be like inflection like in a conversation and and certain imperfections that can make it but it but it's much it's to a much smaller degree and there's so much that has to be executed like exactly correctly every time especially with like classical music that's written on the page with jazz you know it's right. a little it's improvisatory that's a whole different volume that i don't do so i couldn't speak to that but, but with the classical music i'm playing there's so much perfection that has to happen I mean, that, that's pretty cool. And I saw you did, um, speaking of the music part for a second, before we get back to comedy, because I have a lot of questions about like your travels and your touring. But um, yeah. you also did the uh, NPR Tiny Desk, which is pretty popular these days. If you go on YouTube, everyone watches those. And so many like really famous people have gone on that. Well, was that experience pretty cool? I, I watched the video. It was pretty moving, too. It was really like a powerful one. Oh, yeah. Well, I was so lucky to get to play with um, this composer, Max Richter, and his music is just so, so moving and beautiful and, like, makes me cry still when I listen to it, even though I've, you know, played the pieces a bunch and listened to it a bunch. It's just so, like, it really just gets to the core of, like, human emotion, I think. Yeah. People who know nothing about music, people who love classical music, I think, like, everyone can just sort of enjoy his music. So I felt so, so honored to get to play with him and do that. And, yeah, the Tiny Desk, series is something I've been watching for years on my own so it was it was really like surreal to get to be doing one for sure right and yeah like it's was, a, you're um, on something you've been watching for so like you never imagined like oh I'm gonna be on that right right and so to get to do it and with one of my favorite composer musicians I mean it was really like sounds cheesy but it was a dream come true <laughs> and I was yeah. so excited when it when it came out that we got to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and um, so a little bit more about your comedy. So like, what, what would you say your comedy style is? Do you talk more about like your day-to-day life? Um, what's your jokes, I guess, or your sets usually about? Was it, is it about people you know, life, you? Um, yeah, I guess I touch on, you know, a lot of personal experiences. I've started joking more about playing music and like what it's like talking about going to Juilliard and things like that but I would say more than anything I I sort of have a a certain demeanor at this point I take on stage which is like one one small version of my personality sort of this like nervous but also kind of assertive angry character I don't know but but that's probably more of the what's consistent about it than the actual subject matter which Mm. you know it ranges from like me farting to me (laughs) going to Juilliard to Hooking up with guys to you know my brother to not hook up with sorry well uh, that's kind of uh, weird um, um so yeah let's uh let's ignore that I, I hope your parent I hope your parents don't know about you and your brother hooking up that would be kind of awkward <laughs> oh well, <laughs> well that, sorry no, mom and dad uh, no I'm kidding yeah. uh, well I mean <laughs> so they'd actually come to, they come to my house and they 
shows. And my, my brother and my parents are, like, my, my biggest supporters. They come to an insane amount of my shows. And people are always like, I can't believe you, like, joke about, like, hooking up in front of them. And it's like, yeah, they don't. They're used to it at this point. Yeah, I know. Like, it, that's a, probably the hardest part, right? Like, your dad, like, for moms, I guess, it might not be too bad as a girl. But for your dad, like, sitting there and you're talking about <laughs> hooking up with some guy, I you're like, oh, hey, Dad, what's up? Yeah, I mean, if it bothers him, he's doing a really good job of keeping it to himself because he's always just like, yeah, killer joke. Well, you did my favorite joke about the, you know, hooking up with the guy in the open relationship, you know. Yeah. Just, like, quote all my jokes and stuff, but it's very sweet. You, but, know, uh, you know what he probably yeah. does, though? I mean, if, if let's say my daughter wasn't doing stand-up, and, oh, I don't have a daughter yet. If I had a daughter and she was doing stand-up comedy, and she was joking about hooking up with guys. I'd pretend, oh, you know what? She's making this stuff up for her jokes. I would, I would lie to myself enough to where I actually believed it that you, you, this wasn't right. actually happening. And so that's what your dad is probably doing. He probably is like, yeah, you know, deep down in his guts and soul, he knows that it's real. But he's, he's like sitting there and like, you know, no, my little girl didn't do that. She's just writing great jokes, <laughs> great materials. Right. Well, I mean, he's he's not wrong though. I mean, a lot of it is kind of embellished truth. So it's exaggerated, he, right? It's exaggerated, of course. I mean, I think a lot of comedy is, and you you tell it like it's like it's truth, but it's inspired by like maybe a little grain of something that did happen, but then you spin out into this funny anecdote or story about you know something that didn't actually really go down that way. So so he know he does know that and he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, I mean, the guys are real, but the stories are just a little fabricated. Yeah, they're embellished. Uh, embellished. So, have you have you traveled around the country a lot doing this? How many years? Um, Where's your favorite? Like, I guess I know you're just in Indianapolis. Where Where's your like? I guess your favorite scene other than New York so far? Yeah. Well, so I've I've been doing stand up for like four and a half years now consistently, and I've just started traveling around a little more and I did my first headlining weekend in Indianapolis and that was really fun uh I I didn't know what to expect because I you know you never know what what jokes are going to go over where but I guess Indianapolis it's it's a city so so they weren't they weren't offended by any it wasn't like I was performing to a bunch of conservative right you know people whereas I I had the experience where I was performing for an audience recently in a Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and that audience was like at least half, you know, voted for Trump, which is not something I experience a lot. You know, I mostly perform in New York still, so I'm used to that that audience. But but that was, you know, it's still interesting to see what you can do and what, what goes over with everyone, what goes over only in New York or in, like, a liberal area. But Indianapolis was really fun. Uh... I had, yeah, really fun. Didn't know what to expect with that. The the Boston scene seems pretty good. I went out there and did a bunch of shows a little while ago. I like Boston. But I haven't I haven't traveled too much with stand up yet. It's been a yep. lot in New York. Which is great. I, I mean it's the pl- it's it's probably the like I mean, I'm sure LA has some good scene as well, but I mean New York oh, this yeah. is you're t- you're talking about this is the mecca of it all. It is the Mecca, and I've, I've gone to L.A. and done a few shows out there, and there's just not nearly as much going on, it seems. Right. And, you know, there are obviously great shows in L.A., but there's just so many good shows in New York, and, like, any night you can go to some random bar and, and hear, like, you know, 
professional headliners just trying out new stuff and everyone it's so active and you're going to get if you're a comedian it's good to be in new york because you're seeing such good comics going up every night so you're going to be pushed to be your best in that scene so it's, i'm really grateful that i've been able to to develop in new york I right think it's it made me develop faster than if I had been somewhere else. Well, and New York is just like, in a way, it's funnier, right? I, you, L.A., it's, it's warm out. There's a beach. There's so much shit to do. Like, people are nice. Yeah. Like, misery is funny. Like, I know it sounds horrible, but like, I never like you never really like, oh, man, today I went to the store and I went to the beach and it was really funny. <laughs> right. It's like right, that, that right. sounds so easy. But like New York, right. you have New so York many stories. Like, yeah, I was on the subway. Like some guy spit on me. Like, you know, I got groped. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's always like funny things <laughs> Yeah. It's like, OK, so I'm from Seattle, right? Like people always wonder. Okay. Like, for example, technology here in Seattle is huge. You know, we have the Microsofts, the uh, Amazons, and everyone always is like, why is Seattle so good for uh, technology and Miami isn't? I'm like, well, because people in Miami go to the beach, they hang out, they do shit. Here in Seattle, it rains 350 days a year. People are on their computer and at home. Like, it's certain places develop certain environments and and different things come out of it. New York is funny. You have the people. They're angry. They're pissed. The subway, the right. it's everything is difficult. I mean, I, I never lived in New York, but I've spent a lot of time for uh, my previous job there. It's a difficult place to get around. Even as a tourist, you're exhausted by the end of the day, <laughs> just like trying oh, to go yeah. place to place. Versus L.A., you Hard go to there. Get anywhere. Yeah, it's impossible. L.A., you sit there, you go to the beach, you have a drink by the pool, and you get tan. It's not that fun. It's not that funny, you know. Right, right. Yeah, the the miserable setting. I think maybe lends itself to better comedy. It also can lend itself to better audiences because they're like more ready to go to see a show and be like entertained and relieved for a second. Whereas if you're just at the beach all day, you're kind of like, eh, why do I need to go to a comedy show and be, I don't need to laugh anything off. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't have, actually, that's a great point. I never thought of it like that. Even for the, for the uh, audience, that's a fantastic point. That's really, really smart way to look at it. And then I noticed for you, you even on your Instagram profile, you, you say uh, your tagline is, I'm, I look like I'm sad all the time, but I'm not. Well, yeah, that's something I've been dealing with since I was little. <laughs> oh, so it's, not, so it's not just a comedic and, persona, huh? No, well, because I actually make a joke that says the opposite thing. It's all, it's all a mess in my eyes. I say, yeah. like, you know, someone says, oh, you have, like, resting sad face. And I'm like, no, it's active. Like, I am sad. But, but in reality, <laughs> that's just the joke. In reality, I really, I look sad all the time. I'm really not. I, I, I have so many people concerned about me. I guess my face, when I'm, when I'm not thinking about it, it can look really, really sad. Like I'm about to, people say, you look like you're about to burst into tears. And I was like, no, I was just thinking like, what am I going to do tonight? Or like, well, what, I was just friends, thinking about what's like, for lunch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or like, oh, I'm hungry. Like, yeah. <laughs> Should I get a burger or should I do Thai? You know, and they're like, you look like you're about to <laughs> kill yourself. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. fine. <laughs> I might if I don't find my no. good Thai restaurant, but other than that, I'm good. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's something I, I almost, I feel like almost every day of my life since I was a little girl, someone has been like, are you okay? But it's kind of nice knowing that everyone is like looking out, but <laughs> no need. Yeah, yeah, everyone's concerned about you. Are you okay, by the way? Your voice, no, I'm kidding. Your voice yeah. sounds pretty happy. <laughs> Right, if we were doing this 
podcast, like you, you, you saw my face, you know. <laughs> I'd probably start crying before you. Yeah, you'd be worried. I'd right? be worried. Like after the show, hey, was everything okay today? Did I say something? Right, right. No, that, that that's great. So have you? So have you ever come out to Seattle yet, or not quite? You know, I was just in Seattle playing with Max Richter at the Moore Theater. Oh, the Moore there? Theater. Of course I've been to the Moore Theater. Yeah, so that Tiny Desk that we did, that was the end of a, a U.S. tour that we did. We, we went from the West Coast and made our way back to New York and then went to D.C. the last day and did the Tiny Desk. But one of our stops was the Moore Theater, and it was really nice. I loved mm-hmm. Seattle. We were staying right by uh, Pike, Pike Place. Yep. And uh, Did you go see the fish? all that out. Saw the fish. I walked by the first Starbucks. I didn't go in there because there was a line. Yeah, there's another. The other Starbucks have the same exact coffee, believe it or not. So you don't have to go in. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, it's one of those. I did have some very good. Good uh, mac and cheese at Beecher's. Have you been there? Oh, of course I've been to Beecher's. Great, great mac and cheese. Great cheese in general, actually. So that that was a that was a great choice. (laughs) How how many nights were you over in Seattle? Two nights, Just yeah. Two so nights. I get to see like little glimpses of all these cities. I didn't see much, but but we were staying within walking distance of the market, so I, I spent a little time over there. And you know, it was rainy, like everyone said. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it was. Like I hate when people come to Seattle and they're like, "Oh, it was really nice weather out for like three days." I'm like, "No, you guys didn't get like, you. <laughs> like, no, that's not true. You guys are being deceived. <laughs> if you come here, what, what what time of the year were you here?" Right, they think everyone in Seattle is just whiny. They're like, actually, it was like pretty nice. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're like, no, I swear. I swear, yeah. Like, I, I don't know how much longer I can live in this state. Actually, I'm already thinking about move, moving to a, a warmer place. To be completely honest with you, but it's like at some point, 300 days of rain a year. Well, it, it, it gets to you. You know, it's always. It, oh, yeah. It's not the cold. I don't mind the cold. At least in New York, you guys get cold and it's sunny out. You put on a jacket and you're like – or you can even look outside the window and think it's nice out. Here, it's like like right. it's crying 20 – like I know you said you have sad faces. If you lived here, you'd have – like people would actually need to be concerned at that point probably. Well, if I lived in – yeah, people would be like, oh, sure, face makes sense. This is <laughs> – you know, goes with the weather. Yeah, actually, actually, no one would be concerned, or, or everyone would just be like, "You're just like everyone else here. You look just like everyone right, else." Just right. Always sad. Congratulations. Yeah. Welcome to Seattle. Well, I feel like any place where the weather is like consistently one thing can lend itself to maybe depress. Like even people who live in LA talk about how like the nice weather gets old. Like the variety in New York that you have. We have these like insanely cold rainy days we also have like we have seasons you know so it kind of like gives you something to look forward to and a nice contrast you know like without the dark how can you enjoy the light kind of thing no exactly so even in some (laughs) but in seattle it's like all dark so you know all of one thing feels like it can get a little yeah a little tiresome i I mean we i know a lot of people in seattle joke about like it, but it's it's really not that funny. We have the highest suicide rate in this country for a reason because people really yeah the, the vitamin D here is very low and people get depression. We have the highest depression rates. We have the most psychiatrists in this right. per capita. We have the highest suicide rate in the country. It's like you know go get some sun or at least take a vacation. <laughs> you got to get out of right. here at some point. But it is what it is. But is that something? 
is that something that they talk about a lot? Like, hey, Seattle people, like, take vitamin D, like, really make sure you get the sun somehow, or like, oh, of course, sunny, like, go outside. Go to Costco in the winter time and see the amount of vitamin bulb lamps and uh, light bulbs they sell. It's pretty hilarious, actually. Oh, it's, yeah. Like right at the oh, beginning, man. you know, when you walk into Costco, um, it, right away they have whatever they're trying to push for the month. Like right when you walk in. In Seattle, it's vitamin yeah. D lamps and vitamin D light bulbs. <laughs> it's like Right. They're like, you're gonna really need this. You're gonna need this. We need we need you to stay around and be a customer here. So please get this. Don't get yeah. depressed and stay around and buy more stuff from Costco. It's a very nice concept that my brother uh, went to school in Rochester, and I remember visiting him a bunch. And in Rochester, also, apparently, they have some of the lowest vitamin D levels, I think, in the country. Or I might be making that up, but there's a lo- definitely. A- it, it sounded uh, right. It, it sounded right. You just you don't have to pretend to yeah. make it up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, well, at least that's what people were saying. Uh, and it's you know it's it's real. People people really get. No, absolutely, definitely. So, did you um, last couple questions here? So, did you grow up in New York? Is have you been in New York your whole life? Uh, what's the background? Yeah, there? I grew up in Manhattan. Uh, wow. My parents, yeah, I I lived in that same apartment that my parents still live in my whole life, and I went to I went to Juilliard, which is in New York, also. So, yeah. except for two years where I, where I lived up in the dorms, I also lived with them through college and through my master's. So I really spent a lot of time just in the same place in Manhattan. So it's very normal to me. And, and, you know, I didn't realize it was unusual until I started meeting people in college who had just come to the city. And they're like, what, you're from here? That's like, seems so strange. That is Uh, strange. Because you hear, especially like with comedy, I've done a lot of podcasts with comedians, it's always the same exact story except yours. It's I was in this city. I hated it. I packed my bags. I went to New York, and I figured it out. And now I'm doing right, comedy. Right. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. And there was the struggle part, and now I'm a comic. <laughs> but you're from right, exactly. New York. Like, that's – you are a rare breed. From Manhattan, too. Like, you hear people from, like, I don't know, Queens maybe. Or I have a lot of friends who grew up in Staten uh, Island. Bay- Staten Island uh, What's the one in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn? I have a lot of fam. We're, we're a Syrian uh, family. My parents were, were born in Syria. I was oh, born okay. in Syria. So we have a lot of friends who oh, wow. somehow live in. Is it Bay Ridge, right? Is that what it's called in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's Bay Ridge. That's far out. Yeah, the last. Yeah. It was the last yeah. stop. That's all I remember going to. Last time we went over there, we went and visited. It was the last stop on the subway. Forget which number, what letter Q, right, maybe. Right. <laughs> but wow, yeah. New York. Uh, so you you're like, do you feel that is it? I mean, with the scene and the comedy, you're one of the only ones who probably grew up in Manhattan, right? I mean, there can't be that many. I don't think there are that many. Yeah, and it's funny because I obviously growing up in New York, I went to school with kids who grew up in New York, but I guess a lot of them end up leaving. Like maybe it's just not as common to like stay where you're from. Right. So all the people who are transplants here, you know, they're then people in New York they're they're transplants somewhere else now they wanted to get away from their family but I was I never felt the need to get away everything I wanted was right here you know I wanted to go to Juilliard which is here and then I wanted to do comedy and like we were saying before there's really no better place to develop as a stand-up than New York but I feel really lucky that I that I got to start here and you know have the cushion of like living with my parents for for such a long time I finally moved out and I'm, I'm happy about that but 
you know. And, 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 and actually, in Manhattan, that's really hard. <laughs> it's not an easy. I mean, yeah, you, no, you, I, I live in Brooklyn now. You live in I Brooklyn. Don't live in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, Manhattan is, uh, you know, one of the most expensive neighborhoods in, in the country, maybe in the world, even. So it's pretty cool to, like, grow up in oh, there. You yeah. probably just walking outside, you probably saw so many different, like, tri- tourists and trips plans, but you never really realize it when you're a kid. Right. Well, my parents, they lived in Chinatown, which is a very, like, touristy kind of area, yep. like, on the border of Chinatown and, like, Tribeca, Soho area. But when they moved there, it was the 80s, and it was actually, because my parents are both artists, and when they okay. moved there, it was a place where artists would live. It was, like, affordable artist area. And I've gotten to see the the neighborhood develop and change over, you know, 28 years. And it's so cool, nothing though. like it used to be. <laughs> there are a few holdouts, like my parents, but they're like, "We're not leaving. Very different now. You can't kick us out of yeah. here. We're not leaving. This is our place. All the artists are here. <laughs> There's no more artists, guys. No, no, they're all here. I promise. I know. Yeah, there are a few hiding out. <laughs> so, um, in with all the lawyers. Lawyers and accountants in Wall Street. There's there's one right, one right. artist family. Never leave. Right, right. No, there are a few. There are a few. But and the you know the West Village still has like nice mix of characters. But yeah, if you want to move there now, I mean, forget about yeah. it. Actually, you know, it's almost like so. A little background on me since we're from Syria. I'm from Damascus. It was where I was born. And my oh wow. yeah. Yeah, far away from here, but my grandma still lives in the same house in downtown Damascus, right in the middle of the city that uh, my mom grew up in, and it's the same thing. That place now, she's like the only, she has no more neighbors. The whole entire like building is now offices. The whole building, the whole neighborhood is offices, hotels, and she's like, no, this is a neighborhood. I'm staying right here. Like, oh, no one lives here anymore grandma but she she won't right. leave and, and won't sell her house so she just yeah, like your parents no, is not going anywhere she no she's gonna stay <laughs> and down the no no she's staying she and she is adamant that that neighborhood's gonna turn around and become back to a uh you know a place where people live i'm like all right grandma right oh that's sweet yeah right okay grandma yeah it, it's pretty remarkable she's 85 years old and she knows facebook wow. and uh I, you know, Messenger. She has an iPhone and FaceTimes us from really? Syria. Yeah, she's she's pretty oh, remarkable. So yeah, except she's still stuck. The only thing she can't get past of is her neighborhood it has changed. That, that's the only one. So, right, right. Yeah. So, so she like does she comment on all your Facebook posts and Instagram? Yeah, well, she she doesn't use Instagram, so I, I'm safe there. Okay. I can post whatever I want on Instagram. But if on Facebook, if there's anything, okay. if there's any picture that's even somewhat. You know, questionable or shady. Oh, my! Gra- my grandma is gonna be the first one to call me. So, gotta be careful right, there. Right, right. Well, it's a good, uh, it's a good filter to have. Maybe you know, like anything you wouldn't want your grandma to see, you won't post. So exactly. Embarrassing ends up, <laughs> ends up up there. Yeah. Uh, all my grandparents have passed, so I just post wild things. No, I don't. But uh, I mean, I, you, I mean, you talk, <laughs> you, you talk to people about who you hook up with, and your dad knows about it. So I think you're safe yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's all up in the open. Yeah, I got nothing to hide either, so yeah. I'm not too worried about right, it. Right, right. <laughs> well, so, so when did you when did you come to the states? Oh, did you, as a... I was so old. I was a baby, one years old. You know, I lived a really oh, okay. tough life so in Syria. Yeah, no, I don't have many memories. Like, I lived a really tough life in Syria. I couldn't, you know, oh, it was tough getting over here. <laughs> Actually, you talk. 
Yeah, it was a really tough year for you. It was, really was. So a little backstory about that, actually. When we were – so I was traveling uh, to visit my uh, family. I have a bunch of relatives in Dubai. And this is before – long story. We didn't get our citizenship here until five years ago, even though I'm 32. So I got my citizenship – when wow. I was 27, they lost our paperwork, believe it or not. That's why we didn't get our citizenship. Really? Yeah, they just lost it. So, huh. yeah, I know. So I, I was coming back. <laughs> I, I traveled to uh, Dubai. On my way back, I still have my Syrian passport. And I go to the immigration officer and you know, I give him my Syrian passport and my green card. And he's like, oh, so you're a resident here in the United States? Yeah, he's like, born in Damascus, Syria? I'm like, yeah, correct. He's like, how old were you when you came to the States? I was like, oh, I was a year old. He goes, so what brought you to the States? And I was like, I just got off a 14-hour flight. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what brought me here? I was a year old. He's like, he's like, answer the question. I was like, you want the truth, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, the economic situation in Syria was really bad at that time. So I went, packed my bag, asked my mom for some money, bought a plane ticket, and flew to the United States for the land of opportunity. And I was just like staring him when I was saying that. He's like, you think this is a joke? I'm like, well, it's a stupid question. <laughs> I had to go into the immigration holding room for four and a half oh hours. <laughs> I just sat there for four and a half hours. Because you joked with the guy? Because I joked with the guy. So don't joke with immigration. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that was really ballsy of you. Yeah, well, also about, you know, an international flight, about seven vodka sodas in, I get a little ballsy. <laughs> right, right. You're like, I don't know, they had free liquor on the plane. Uh, yeah, that's why I, I came I, But, years. you know, but it was it was so bad because, you know, it was towards the end of a the plane, they stopped serving. So I'm still kind of drunk when I was telling them that. But then I kind of started getting a hangover while in the waiting room. <laughs> So, right. I, I never thought about that. Like people who, who drink a ton on the international flight and then have to go through immigration like drunk. Oh, it's, it's, I've never actually. <laughs> it's the best. Like I actually suggest only traveling overseas to do that. Right, right. <laughs> That's really funny. And the best part is you don't know what time it is. And you don't know what time it is. You right. just like land in a different time zone and it's like, oh, it's 11 a.m. and I'm hammered. Weird. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess last question for you. So you grew up in New York, and I know. So our podcast huh. does a lot of sports stuff, and not completely all sports related. But right. being a New Yorker, you're not into sports. That's the first I've ever heard that. You're not a Yankees <laughs> fan, Knicks fan, nothing. Well, I always said I was a Mets fan just because that's what my brother said. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm a Mets fan. But and you know, I like to root for the underdog. Uh, but yeah, I never was drawn to sports. I was always really really bad at sports like just physically I'm very uh inept but <laughs> I, I well, yeah when I watch sports on the screen I just like it looks like dots moving on a screen and nothing it like means nothing to me I can't it's like this weird block I have my, my dad and my brother and even my mom like I feel like gets into it a little bit but I just sports are I like going to live sporting events because then you're like outside yep everyone's excited around you there's snacks you know of course that's that's fun, but but no, I don't. I'll say I'm a Mets fan, but I don't know anything about about anything. You probably can't name a Met, right? Nope. No. Nope. Name one. <laughs> That's fine. You I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's like who's your favorite Met? Mister Met. Uh, the yes, Mister the the pitcher the Met Medicine. Mitch Medicine. There we go. And you can probably pull that off and someone will believe you too. Oh, yeah, there is a Mitchie Mitterson on that team. Right. 
So I, I take it. What's what's your what what's your favorite team and what's uh, your favorite sport? So for me, I'm I grew up in Seattle, so I'm a Seattle Mariners fan um, and a right. Seattle Sonics fan. But they moved to Oklahoma City. I'm like a tortured sports fan. Like everything that I root for, something bad happens to. So. Uh, that's, oh, no. that's why I work in sports now, and I love it. And I can pretend I can just root for whoever's winning and say that's you know it's business. <laughs> right, right. Wow, you really figured figured that out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So like my team, the Seattle Mariners, it's been like what twenty two years since we made the playoffs, and we've never won a championship. And that's my favorite of all teams. So that that, that that's my life as a sports okay. fan. But I feel like that's kind of fun, like always having that. Like maybe they'll maybe they will win. One day, I sort of like, you know what it is. I was talking to my friend about that, and he goes, "It's such a one." Way. He he's also I have a really good friend who doesn't watch any sports, and he was telling me like, mm-hmm. well, "Why do you watch so many sports? Like it's it seems like you're always upset about your team." I'm like, "I am. <laughs> I'm always upset about it." He's like, "Well, it's a one way relationship." I was like, "No, you don't understand. One day, maybe possibly they win a championship." And all this yeah, bullshit like- I've done for my whole life is gonna be worth it. <laughs> Right, and just like that feeling of hope can be really nice to have every day, right? There's so much, like if you're a Yankees fan, it's like, yeah, they, they win all the time. Like, what's exciting about that? You're just right. Sort of, that's why you're a Mets fan, a huge Mets fan. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Huge, <laughs> yeah. huge. So that's why I would be. If, if I actually was a, like a baseball fanatic, I'd definitely root for some underdog team because like it's exciting and, and there's like there's somewhere for them to go. No, you're right, and that's why I mean I think that's why I'm also drawn to these teams too. I mean I don't go root for like the best team because if I did, like there's no journey behind it. I'm all about journeys and everything, life, movies. Like you don't you you don't watch a movie that's just like the guy woke up and he made a million dollars and now he's married with kids, right? Right. You, you you have to have that whole struggle, the whole entire plot of he woke up he's pissed he fell down he got back up he fell down again his dog died right. and then you know and then he made it and that's what life's all about right it's like comedians in new york they have that struggle to bring it back <laughs> Yo, see there you go that that's the comic in you you bring it back at the end to the whole overlying well, bring it back you gotta bring it back <laughs> no i love it well th- this this was really fun i'm glad we got to do this and um and so I'm going to – before I let you go, um, can you tell everyone where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug in, or one of your upcoming shows? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so, so fun. Such a pleasure. And, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's my name, Isabel Hagen underscore. Someone – some, like, 15-year-old Swedish girl already has Isabel Hagen, so I had to add the underscore. You um, should definitely contact her and find I, out if you're pronouncing it correctly. I know, right? I don't know. If she, I made it up that she's from Sweden. I don't know where she's from. Uh, you can all look and find out and tell me. Tweet it at me. Uh, okay. But, yeah, you can you can follow me there. And I, I post all my upcoming shows there. And I, my website's just isabelhagen.com. I post shows there, too. Um, but, yeah, and I'll, I'll be performing at, at Sundance Festival uh, with Max Richter. No one, if you're in Utah, I don't wow. know. Wow. Are, are you <laughs> doing it uh, next week? Yeah, on January 31st, nice. I'll be there with uh, this group called Acme, and we're performing with Max Richter. Uh, there's a documentary premiering about him at the festival, so we're doing a little live performance 
That's really cool. That's one thing I've always wanted to do is go to Sundance. And every year I say I'm going to go to Sundance. And then someone's like, Sundance is this week. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I know. (laughs) I know. It comes up out of nowhere because it's just in like the dead of winter. So you're like, what's happening? Nothing's happening now. Oh, Sundance. Yeah. So maybe maybe next year I'll go to Sundance. I'm going to make that like a priority. Yeah, you should tell. Well, I'll tell. I've never been, so I'm excited to see. I'll only be there for like a day, but I'll let you know. Yeah, let me know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, b- before thank I let you, you go, yep, yeah, I'm gonna. So the uh, recording is gonna end here now, but I'm gonna keep you on the phone for one second. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, thank you.